Welcome to Cub of Cubby Blue, your off-season home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us at bleedcubbyblue.com, and we are blasting every episode and related Twitter content at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue, and I am ridiculously excited that this is episode number 50. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I am equally as excited for episode number 50. This is amazing. I honestly closed my eyes, and this happened. Like, this is crazy. I can't <laughs> believe we're here already. I know. And just if you've been listening either since the beginning or picked it up somewhere along the way or subscribe or whatever, just thank you all so much for joining this journey with us. We absolutely love every single one of you. We take um, kind of obsessive looks at our numbers and seeing where they're at. And we like to engage with our followers on Twitter. So it's just been really, really fun. Uh, If you ever have feedback for us on Twitter, Uh, please let us know. You can also rate the podcast on wherever you get your podcasts, really, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever. Um, And we like, we read all of those too. So let us know what you like and what you're thinking about, particularly this off season, as we're trying to figure out what to cover. We would love to hear from you. That was Sarah's really nice way of saying that Andy texts me every five minutes about our numbers. (laughs) So really, I'm the obsessive one, and I just make sure that she knows where we're at at all times. So that was her very nice way of saying that. But yes, totally, I echo all the sentiments she just said. Basically, we are so excited to be doing this still, and that we have people that listen to us, lots of people that listen to us, and um, we appreciate every single one of you, and it has been such a fun journey, and it's kind of only just beginning. I mean, this wasn't even a full season for us, so... Oh, yeah, knows, we're going to know what's to come. <laughs> um, it's kind of ironic that like Andy's always texting me the numbers about the show and I'm always texting her the numbers about baseball. <laughs> but I guess we just obsess about different numbers. <laughs> yeah, I am kind of a numbers freak. But like, you know how you said at CubsCon that you kind of felt like less of a fan than other people. I feel like less of a numbers freak when I'm around you. speaking of numbers freaks so andy and i also discovered that we both have this very strange uh habit of kind of doing off-season resolutions i don't even know what else to call this i was thinking so we were chit-chatting via text and it turned out that um we both have like done like our okay baseball's over what am i gonna do now and come up with a big goal for the next little while, next year, next month, next whatever. And I just thought it was really funny. So I'm curious if anybody else out there does this. For me, baseball in the offseason is really more important than New Year's Day. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, I'm more likely to start something at the end of baseball season and like follow it through during the offseason than at any other time. <laughs> it's weird that you totally b- brought that up in that way because I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's totally what I'm doing. I'm like using something to distract myself from the fact that there's no baseball to watch. Even though I watch like three other sports in the off season, it's still not baseball. Right. Yeah. I mean, I watch college football a lot. Um, a little bit of the NFL. I'm not nearly as into the NFL as Andy is. Do not text that girl during a bears game. <gasps> Just don't. <laughs> Just don't. God. She doesn't want to hear about it. <laughs> No. Are are they even called games anymore? It's really depressing. I don't know. It's been, it's been that great. <laughs> yeah. 
depressing. Um, I'm sorry. It's I okay. didn't mean to bring up bad news. I This is kind of how I felt during the Notre Dame-Michigan game. So Yeah, and um, I can't even go emotional eat because I just started the Whole30. So now I, I, I can emotional eat, but I have to eat like vegetables. Like right, how fun is that? Emotional eating mini carrots is not really... No, that's not this. There's no, there's no emphasis there. Like I need to emotionally eat like ice cream or chocolate or popcorn, but I can't do any of that. Oh my gosh. I, so I have never done the whole 30. I've done like some things that are similar. Like uh, I used to do this program called clean slate. I've done like the wild diet type of thing. So I've done like those types of things before, but never the full scale whole 30. That is, that is some commitment lady. Well, this is my third bout with it, and I've always been very successful. I haven't always been like a hundred percent compliant. Compliant is a use a word used heavily in the whole thirty. Um, but this this go round, I am dedicated. I'm committed. I'm a hundred percent compliant. I'm on day two, so I'm obviously very adamant about that. Right now, we'll talk in a week. Um, but I have a massive headache right now and I could probably go to bed as soon as we're done doing this. So just so you know, those are, those are side effects. If you ever think about doing it, it's totally natural, <laughs> totally expected. Um, so my off season resolution is not the whole 30, but I did sign up for the first ever Semper Fi challenge, which is, um, the Marine Corps marathon, which is run the end of October, start of November every year, uh, out in DC. And I've wanted to run it. For a few years now, I just, it's an incredible course. I love DC. It's a good time of year to run 26.2 miles. Um, the They're doing a challenge this year where if you sign up for their first historic half in May you and finish it. So obviously like you have to finish the half for this torque. Um, you get automatic entry into the full. And so I signed up for that this weekend and I'm pretty excited about it. I've run 14 half marathons. So I think that part should be totally doable, but I've only finished one other full marathon. So fingers crossed that I can make it through marathon training. (laughs) That's absolutely incredible. That is amazing. Like, well, very inspirational. I mean, I haven't run a half since April and that didn't go particularly great. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'll be 100% honest, but I'm hoping that my training goes a little bit better. And I, you know, so far so good. We'll see how it goes. Um, But I'm looking forward to running 39.3 miles with the Marines. That's insane. Like I can't even, I'm scared about running 3.12 miles next Saturday with my 12 year old. Like (laughs) I can't even wrap my brain around that amount of mileage. (laughs) It's it's all just process, right? Like you do a little bit here, a little bit there. It's like the baseball season. You do a little bit here, a little bit there. It all comes together. Oh, Uh, (laughs) Speaking of baseball, it is approximately the Cub, approximately 100 days until pitchers and catchers report. Um, the Cubs have not actually released their spring training pitcher and catcher report date. So we don't know if it's 100 or 99 or 101 or whatever, but there are some other team numbers out and 100 seems about right. Um, before we get into looking back at the World Series and wow, what a finish to the World Series. Andy, what are you thinking um, about the Cubs right now? Um. You know, I'm still trying to stay very optimistic about this offseason and what potential moves could come. I know I, I just read uh, Tony Andraki's piece about the committed salary that we have this offseason and um, kind of where we're at from that standpoint. And it's not real promising. I mean, as far as what we're going to be able to do um, in the free agent market, which we kind of all knew that was going to be the case. 
but to really have it kind of broke down for you and and in that layout that he did is kind of kind of sad kind of disheartening because you look at the numbers and you realize that if something's coming in something's got to go so um yeah i mean i'm trying to stay optimistic i feel um i feel like you know people are kind of waking up to the fact that you are gonna have to do something different if you want different results because it's been the same cast and crew for the last two years and, and nothing's really happened. So I think now this off season, really prepare yourself because I think we are going to see some major changes. And we've just brushed right over the fact that I did secure CubsCon tickets. So I will be there with Sarah. <laughs> we can talk about CubsCon after we talk about some of the salary stuff, but I think this is really important. And Drackey's piece is a really good one. Um, Al also has a piece up on Bleed Cubby Blue. He does a great job of tracking the salary and tax hits throughout the offseason. And I, I think it's really important for fans to be aware of this because sort of like, you know, I always get cranky about trades when people are like, we should trade this person without talking about the return package, which I feel like is a crucial component about trades. You can't talk about signing free agents without talking about where you find room with the salary cap, well, it's not a cap, but the luxury tax, which is functionally at this point in time being treated like a salary cap, right? Like teams are just not going over that for multiple years in a row. So as long as the ownership is not going willing to take that luxury tax hit, you got to make some moves. And a few of the guys who we've thought of as part of this core are just frankly getting more expensive because they've been so good for so long. So it looks like Javier Baez is due to get a pretty decent raise. Um, Wilson Contreras is going to get a real sizable raise. Uh, And a lot of these guys are just not going to be, they're not going to be as cheap as they used to be. So where does that movement come from? Yeah. uh, It's just, when you look at the numbers and um, you kind of break it down as to who is expendable and who's not, I mean, you hate to think that way and you definitely hate to, you know, have to pick and choose because it's like, you know, your mom picking your, the favorite kids, you just can't do it. You know, I mean, these guys have all been instrumental in the success or possibly even the lack thereof the past two seasons. And, you know, you, you, you think about 2016 and I hate to keep going back to that, but that's eventually where we want to be again. And when we think about that, we think about some of the key players that were on that team that made a difference that we felt like we're going to be around forever. And like you said, they're pricing themselves out of jobs with the Cubs because you just can't have them all. I mean, we've heard Theo say it. We've heard the Ricketts guys say it. We can't have them all. There's just no way. So um, unfortunately, as as much as I say that and as easy as that, that rolls off my tongue, it's going to be really hard for me to accept when it actually happens. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think that's also why a lot of the what would Chris Bryant's trade value slash return market keeps heating up. Um, you know, he's also due a pretty sizable raise. Uh, they're projecting his salary, and admittedly, this could change slightly with arbitration, but I doubt it would change tremendously up to $18.5 million in 2020. Uh, if he's not going to sign a long-term deal with the Cubs and or his grievance that is due to be heard this week um, comes back in his favor, which would mean next year would be his last season with the Cubs, you've got to wonder how they're going to get the maximum value 
from him as part of this team, right? And is his maximum value as a player on this team for a large chunk of money that could be flipped into contracts for other people? Or is his value as a trade piece to bring back some, to rebuild part of the farm, maybe to bring in some starting pitching, and then you turn some of that money into a different contract? Yeah, I mean, I definitely am kind of becoming a believer as far as, um, gosh, and I, I don't even like the words to come out of my mouth, but I'm, I'm turning into a believer in he may be the most um, valuable as far as on the trade market or whatever else um, to have him be moved away from the Cubs. And and that is really hard to say. We're talking about somebody that won Rookie of the Year, who won an MVP. I mean, you know, he's been somebody that I could not picture in any other uniform but a Chicago Cubs uniform. But really, you know, you have to think of of the bigger picture and there's just more to it than, you know, keeping him on the Cubs and and, you know, at what price we would have to have to keep him at. You know, what else would we have to cut to keep him or what would we get in return to let someone like him um, be traded. So, you know, it's just, it's such a hard reality. And unfortunately we're going to see a lot of that. And I think this off season is probably just the starting point. I agree with that. Um, it's going to be really interesting for sure. Um, couple of notes here, some money that I think we can probably predict is going to come off these books. I highly doubt Addison Russell is going to get a raise in 2020 i think that the five million ish dollars that people are accounting for for his arbitration number will probably be non-tendered um i don't really know where they get any additional money though outside of trading some of these people and unfortunately for cubs fans the names of the players that can bring back a little can bring back the money and the prospects are not the people that you're going to want to trade you've got chris bryant sitting at 18.5 million You've got um, Jose Quintana, whose $10.5 million contract was just picked up. His option was just picked up. He could actually bring back some different guys. That's a relatively cheap contract for somebody who is going to throw close to 200 innings uh, and be a solid number three, number four starter for you. Kyle Schwarber is projected to get a raise up to $8 million. Wilson Contreras goes from costing about $500,000 to $4.5 million. I mean, all of those are, those are household names. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they're, they're people you just can't imagine the Cubs without, you know, and it's like, it, it's, it's jarring, but at the same time you think about those numbers and I mean, you cannot go any further up that list without the, the on-field product taking a major hit. Absolutely. Um, so I guess one of the questions is that if you think that the Cubs kind of are looking to tally right about $215 million by Al's math um, right now, that that is already over the first luxury tax threshold of $208 million. Um, it's under the second luxury tax threshold of $228 million. I mean, even if you free up you know, five or six million dollars somehow in there, or you trade Quintana, or you move some stuff, some of those pieces around. Can the Cubs afford Nicholas Castellanos? Because I know that a bunch of fans really want Nicholas Castellanos back. And this podcast is very pro 
Castellanos in right and Kyle Schwarber in left. Andy, what do you think? It's going to be really tricky. It's going to be really tricky. It's going to, um, it's going to involve him taking a, you know, some sort of discount. There's no way that we can give him what he is going to want or what Scott Boris is going to want. It's just, it, it gosh, I, there's going to have to be some major money moved off the books. If we even dream of, of having a conversation with Scott Boris about Nick Castellanos, because just right now it, it's impossible. There's no room to squeeze that in. And it, it, gosh, it, he is somebody that I felt at the end of the season was an absolute must. I'm not saying that's any less of a thought, but looking at it from the money side, that's a real problem. I mean, we're in kind of a kind of an issue with with the whole math <laughs> thing where he comes into play because it's just it, it, I just don't see it happening. I I hope it happens. I pray it happens, but I just I I don't see how it can. I so I understand the Boris thing and I get it. He's very good at getting the maximum amount of money for his players. And that is what he does. And that's why you hire him. If you're a player, I, I just still return to the idea that Castellanos would much rather play at a Wrigley field or for that matter, another park with a fan show up every day, a Yankee stadium, a Fenway park, somewhere where he knows he is going to be appreciated. And he knows that the fans are going to show up over like a Rangers team that might offer him $5 million more million. And I feel like that he's going to want there, even if it requires some creativity in terms of how it works or if it winds up being an extra year or this or that, there has got to be a way to get that deal done if you are one of those places that is going to be a place where he can be jazzed up to play every single day. I don't know. I just, that was the read I got from him during the season. Yeah, and I can totally see that and that he he comes off as that kind of person, that kind of player. Um, but you just wonder with someone like Scott Boris running the show, or maybe he doesn't run the show so much for for Nicholas Castellanos. I kind of hope he doesn't. I feel like maybe he's his own guy and he said at some point before the end of the season, you know, get this done, this is where I want to be type thing. You know, you cross your fingers that that's the way it goes down, and and maybe so because I feel like this might be kind of a big off season for Scott Boris. So maybe Nicholas Castellanos is kind of not at the bottom of the list, but maybe not as big of hitter or you know hitter quote unquote as some of the other guys on his list to take care of this off season. So, you know, you just never know. There's a whole bunch of different things that come into play with something like this, and. Um, you know, we've seen enough talk out there over the last couple of weeks that there's mutual interest. So that's always a positive jumping point. So hopefully something becomes of that and, and that gets done and we, we see him back in a Cubs uniform because definitely, I mean, that was, like I said, at the end of the season, that was a must for me. And that feeling has not changed. Although, I mean, I, and I got to repeat something here that I've heard people say and there, and nobody is going to like it. I don't like this. I am very on board with Schwarber and Castellanos keeping both. Um, this is part of why people say that part of the way you get the Castellanos deal done is you move Schwarber, right? Because yeah. if you move Schwarber and you move that $8 million, then you have a better shot. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Yep. So anyway, Cubs fans, we're not trying to bring you down. You should definitely take a look at both the and Jackie piece. You should also look at the work that Al did on Bleed Cubby Blue with this. Um, that came out today, and we're recording this on Tuesday. So 
you know, go into the offseason in terms of these free agent signings with eyes wide open. A couple of things that I want to note, um, you know, our friends over at MLB Trade Rumors do a really good job of tracking throughout the season who's available, who's been signed, who's been uh, let go, what's going on. Of note to Cubs fans, the Padres released Carl Edwards Jr., he has cleared waivers to become a free agent. It'll be interesting to see if a team takes a flyer on him. I still think that there's a lot of talent there, and I, I think that he could really thrive if he could get with the right pitching staff to work with him getting back whatever he kind of lost control-wise over the last, I don't know, season and a half. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I definitely, I saw that today and, you know, my heart kind of sunk for him, but at the same time, I kind of felt like that was a, a brand new um, opportunity for him to go somewhere where, like you said, somebody can work with him and, and kind of tweak what he was doing to get him back where he was. I, I feel like there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of potential there. He just needs to be in the right situation. So hoping the best for him, obviously, you know, he's a favorite of mine and um, it was hard to see him go, but you always, you know, you want to see people like that succeed wherever they are. So hopefully he finds a good situation and makes the best of it. Some other players who don't necessarily have Cubs ties that are out there that are just things to keep in mind kind of interesting. Um, Julio Tehran's option was not picked up by the Braves. That was a $12 million option that they declined. That's a starting pitcher who's on the market who you might imagine could be had for less than $12 million a year at this moment in time. Um, The Cubs also did announce that they did not extend a qualifying offer to Cole Hamill, so he functionally becomes a free agent right now. And they kept um, Colin Rea, moved him onto the 40-man roster, so he's a potential starting pitching option next year. They did not um, pick up the options on Brandon Morrow, David Phelps, or Kendall Graveman. And I kind of thought that they might pick up Graveman's option because it was only $3 million. But the fact that they have decided not to do that means that either they think he's still injured, they'd like to see if they can get him for cheaper, or they're willing to let some other team try to do that. Yeah, I definitely took that as they're kind of over the whole uh, risk factor um, as far as signing or keeping around injured players or players that are coming off of injuries. I kind of like that. That's a good sign to me because obviously we see what happened with Moro, who was very injury prone. Um, there just hasn't been a whole lot of good contracts of, of pitchers either coming off injuries or um, uh, having been known for being injured quite a bit. So I like that. Hopefully they move in a different direction as far as, you know, find somebody that's going to be consistent, that's reliable, that, you know, has health on their side and, and, and hopefully move forward from there and find, you know, find some arms that, maybe check some boxes that you have not been looking at before. Just something something different. We need to go in a different direction. And I like that that was kind of the indicator there. Yeah. And then the last notes that I have on the Cubs side, we have um, a couple of coaching moves of note that I think happened since the last time we recorded. It looks like Brian Butterfield is going to go to the Angels with Joe Madden. So the Cubs need at least one coach there. Uh, Will Venable in, interviewed for the Giants job. He it, he does not appear to be the favorite there, but he, he is in the running there. So keep an eye on that. Um, and Tim Buss, who is the Cubs uh, strength and conditioning coach, and is kind of a I, I don't really know how to describe this. If you watch shows where, like on MLB Network, 
uh, intentional talk, those types of things. People who have worked with Tim Buss just absolutely love him. He gets a lot of shout outs in David Ross's book, Teammate. He's very much known to be like a character and sort of community building type of guy. So I was surprised to see that move personally. Uh, yeah, definitely. He's somebody that is very, um, what's the quirky he's got, he's, he's, um, if that's even the best way to describe him, he's the one that was like wearing, um, you know, cowboy boots and a cowboy hat (laughs) with no shirt at like, exactly the picture you're talking about. Yes. Um, and I think actually he was wearing like Cubs trunks with that outfit, um he was also like he was the one that would get dressed up gosh what are some other things that he dressed up as i think he had like one of those blow up dinosaur outfits on um he's just very different very outlandish and the guys all really gravitated towards that and towards his his method of doing things and he was just somebody that was very beloved so yeah he'll definitely be missed but i'm very excited and i look forward to seeing who um david ross brings in because you know that He's got to get a little creative. He needs some experience um, below him. So it'll be interesting to see who makes his way into that dugout. Yeah, the thing that I always remember about Tim Buss is that after the Cubs won the 2016 World Series, I for whatever reason, I was watching an episode of Intentional Talk and Kevin Millar, who had experience working with Buss <laughs> before, was just like, looking at pictures of the Cubs celebrating and you could see him and I can't remember what he was wearing. I mean, clearly this is like goggles and no shirt and craziness territory because it's after the Cubs won the world series, but you can just hear Kevin Millar yelling bussy on the intentional talk broadcast. And you really get a vibe for how much the players who have worked with him just gravitated to and loved him as a person. So I thought that was an interesting move. It'll be, I'm curious to see, what um who they bring in for that position oh yeah definitely it's it's going to be i think things get heated up here in the next couple weeks because i'm sure they're going to want to start focusing on on players so yeah personnel will be will be filled in here quickly all right so um we will have all of those for you throughout the off season here at cup of cubby blue at the moment we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and then on the flip side we are going to talk about how the world series concluded um the last actual like look back at baseball conversation we have for a hundred days but i promise all of this off-season chatter and hot stove stuff will be fun too but first a quick word from our sponsors uh and we're back so in the most one of the most bizarre world series of all time the away team won every single game and the Nationals won the 2019 World Series. Oh my God, Andy! <laughs> that was it, that was insane. That was crazy. Um, and it was definitely like a storybook game. I think Game Seven was because you kind of got the feeling when the Nats went down right away. You're kind of like, oh man, I really did not want to see the Astros win this game. And it was it was a little. I mean, I still had a little glimmer of hope, but you kind of felt it fading, felt it fading away as the game continued on. And then the Astros kind of, kind of started to get a little lackadaisical and the Nats just busted through and it was just, that was all she wrote. It was pretty amazing. I am beside myself happy for Davey Martinez. That was one that I was really, um, really hoping for success for him in the playoffs this season. And he definitely, did that and then some so yeah it was an incredible game seven not quite 
as good as the game seven, but you know what I mean? Um, it, it, yeah, it was definitely one to one to remember. And, and I'm very happy for the Nats. I mean, shout out to Davey Martinez, first of all, like that was awesome. I, if you remember in May, people thought he was going to get fired. <laughs> like that was the chatter that like Davey Martinez could not possibly hold on to his job if he had two back-to-back disappointing seasons with this Nationals team. And by all accounts, he just held that clubhouse together and the team really came together. And we're, we're going to talk about team culture in the Nationals in a minute because I think it's really an important part of that whole thing. But it was such an incredible sight to see him with that World Series trophy and the parade and the throngs of fans, his whole team around him. There was this great moment at the parade where Davey took the mic And instead of giving his remarks on his own, he was kind of like, nope, I want all my boys up here with me. And so all of those pictures have his whole team behind him sort of cheering and cheering him on as he talks. It's just, I, chills. Like, it was awesome. And I just have to say, Davey Martinez not being in consideration for manager of the year is the most ridiculous, ludicrous, the man was robbed. I'm furious. (laughs) I wrote about this today for Bleed Cubby Blue, so you can read all of my thoughts there if you would like to. I cannot believe that there are people who vote, who are members of the Baseball Writers Association of America, who are supposed to know what's going on with the sport, who thought Mike Schilt or Craig Council or Brian Snitker did a better job than Davey Martinez bringing his team from 1931 to 9369. Like, are you kidding me? Well, <laughs> not to not to add fuel to this fire or anything, but I think it's the same people that also didn't include people like Javi Baez and Gold Glove finalists. But, I, I think that's a d- slightly different group, but like, yeah, it's the same <laughs> general. Like, what what is yeah. wrong with you people? I I I mean, are we're we're talking about people that have eyes and can see and still miss this? <laughs> like. I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like when I saw that Mike Schilt was a finalist, I like spit my drink out. Like what? <laughs> like and what? Look, this is not Cardinals hate. No. Maybe it's a little Cardinals hate. But like I, Davey Martinez did a better job and I get it. They vote before the postseason. So like he doesn't get credit for that awesome postseason run. He did a better job in the regular season than Craig Council or Mike Schilt or Brian Snicker. <laughs> It's it's just so sad. He's totally robbed. Totally robbed. But robbed. I mean, and any of those managers that win have got to feel a little silly knowing that Davey Martinez did what he did and they're going to take home the National League Manager of the Year award. Like I mean, how, that's... <laughs> they should like all of them should just like write in and be like, I, I, I decline because this award should go to Davey Martinez. <laughs> yeah, this is not mine. This does not belong to me. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, infuriating. You are absolutely right, though. This is sort of like how Javi can never win a gold glove for, I don't know, reasons. I was, it, a couple years ago, uh, Ben Zobrist was the finalist for the Cubs at second base. And I was like, he's not even the best second baseman on the team. Right. And right. he would tell you that. Like, right. he would tell you that Javi is a better second baseman. <laughs> right. Oh, well, my God. And this also brings me to, we failed to mention the fact that our beloved Anthony Rizzo won his third gold glove. I was going to go there next, but go for it. Go. 
<laughs> yes, this man who also got punked by you, Darvish, which I was going to say hilarious. Greatest um, exchange on Twitter in 2019. Yes. Oh my gosh, the best. I'll tell you that in a second. But yes, Anthony Rizzo <laughs> won his third Gold Glove for 2019. You um, Darvish posted a tweet shortly thereafter and said all the times that I had to cover first base for Anthony Rizzo and he wins the Gold Glove. <laughs> I mean, so it was fantastic. You Darvish, she's like, I'm 60 feet away. He is only 10 feet away. I'm like, <laughs> I love you Darvish so much right now. And the best part was that Rizzo replied with like some laughing emojis and it was great. I Oh my goodness. It, if like, you're on Twitter and you don't follow you Darvish, what are you even doing on Twitter? Like <laughs> Wow, yeah, no, he is I don't know where this you Darvish came from, but I don't want him to ever leave. Like he is awesome. Yeah, he's outstanding. He will be back with the Cubs next year. So he his options are picked up and he did not opt out and whatever all had to happen. I think he had an opt out. It wasn't options. But you um, Darvish is coming back, people, and I am here for it. That's going to be great. Um, more about the Nationals for a second. Let's get back to the people who are still play- or were still playing baseball most recently. A couple other things about the World Series. If you do not subscribe to The Athletic, you really should. Uh, It's a really good use of like $5 a month or whatever it costs to subscribe to The Athletic. Um, Jason Stark had an excellent piece right after the World Series about all of the ways in which the Nationals were such an improbable team and how they really just did something that had never been done before. And it is totally worth reading. It will kind of blow your mind. They are... Their journey from 1931 to World Series champion is insane and beautiful. And it's a lovely story. And you should absolutely check out Jason Stark's piece. Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I gotta I gotta find more baseball things to read. I'll go back and read all of them. Well, yeah, that's definitely one that you should pick up and read. Um The other thing that I want to flag from the World Series, I stayed up late kind of watching the different comments and announcements. I love the interviews after. I think the players are always at their best when they're talking and they're kind of off the cuff and you can tell that they've just accomplished this great thing and they're excited. And I just, I love those interviews. I wish there were ways to get um, full like coverage of those or like those video archives later because I think there's just so many great gems in them. But there's this really great moment where, Max Scherzer and Gerardo Parra and Sean Doolittle, I think Trey Turner, I can't remember if Trey Turner's there or not, are all kind of standing around with the MLB Network guys and talking about what a great team they are and their team chemistry and their team culture. And he attributes specifically their sort of turnaround and coming together as a team to the Latino culture in the in the clubhouse. And I lost it. I just... It was beautiful. It's one of the greatest things that I've ever seen. Um, and you can sort of see uh, Parage and Annabelle. Sa- it actually might have been Annabelle Sanchez. It was not Parra in this interview. I'm like trying to remember the clip ex- explicitly. But the point is that he talks about those guys really bringing the team together and then sort of gelling around that chemistry. And, that, and it, it's beautiful. It was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Well, I re- I vaguely remember you tweeting about this, but I feel like it, there was such a flurry of storylines right then that there was so many different things I was reading and catching up on that I missed that. So I will have to go back and look because obviously that is something that um, that I would feel very strongly about as well. Uh, yeah, I tweeted that out. I'll retweet it from the Cup of Cubby Blue account so that people can see it because 
I really just thought it was a beautiful moment. And I, you know, it's, it's one of the greatest things about baseball is that it brings together people. It brings together fans. I I'm going to miss it for the next 100 days. I don't know how I'm going to get through. <laughs> You'll get through. Cause you're going to see me soon. Yay. That's true. All right. Yeah. So let's end this on a super <laughs> high note rather than me bemoaning the fact that baseball is not going to be there for a little while. Um, <laughs> So CubsCon, Andy coming to visit and hang out with me. It's going to be a slumber party at Casa de Sanchez um, while we celebrate the Cubs in January in Chicago. (laughs) Okay, so just mental picture for all you folks that have any idea what kind of giddy I was to get these tickets, okay? I literally at 11 o'clock logged into my account. It's like, I have one hour. I have to make sure if I need to reset my password, whatever else. Okay. I literally ran to get more water, ran to the bathroom. I'm I'm not kidding. I ran. I get back to my desk. Okay. Watching the clock. It's like 1120, 1140, 1145, 1150. I'm like, okay, 1155. I started logging in. I was in the virtual waiting room. 12.02. They let me in. I was (laughs) on cloud nine. (laughs) It was, it was quite funny. It was like when I would buy tickets for opening day um, from the Cubs. It was basically like that. But I was just, I couldn't stop smiling. My face hurt from, from smiling all day. I've just, I'm so excited. This will be my first. I cannot wait. That's incredible. I can't wait either. It's going to be a blast. Um, it's going to be like a whole weekend of Cubs fantasticness. And honestly, I'm really looking forward to it. I, Yeah, I I don't even know what else to say. I'm kind of speechless. It's going to be great. (laughs) I just hope that everybody can be there and um, that if we have new people, and hopefully we do, and maybe we don't because it's only January then, um, that they're able to be there. And I just really, you know, I think this will be good for my morale because it's all about me, of course, um, because I want to feel really good about this team. And I think this is definitely going to help me. That's awesome. Um, So we will be talking about the Cubs at least once a week, maybe a little bit more, depending on which big things happen all the way through uh, CubsCon, all the way through the offseason up to the time when pitchers and catchers report in February. We will have all of the latest news on the coaching staff, who's staying, who's going, any trades that happen and stuff that's going on around the league. As always, if you have things that you'd like us to talk about, tweet them at us. Let us know what you're talking about, what you're thinking about, what you'd like to hear. And until next time, uh, go cut. Well, I guess I can't say go Cubs. What can I even? I don't even know how to sign off anymore. How do we sign off in the offseason? <laughs> we miss you, Cubs. We miss you, Cubs. 100 days. 100 days. Bye.